Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Hey there everyone, welcome to the Adaptify podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you haven't visited our website lately, adaptify.com, you will find all the other podcast interviews, the Adaptify profiles, a whole bunch more about what we're doing and our mission, and also the products like the Lapstacker and others that is our contribution to this adaptive community that we're a part of. Be sure to check it out at adaptify.com. Right, so today's guest is Sophie Morgan, and wow, this is an absolute honor. I mean, I say this every time, I'm blown away by the people we have here on the Adaptified podcast. I learn something new every time, and I come away after these interviews just buzzing with possibility. Um, You know, I absolutely love producing this, Uh, and today's guest is Sophie Morgan, who has a huge profile globally as the face of many a BBC documentary. She's also a creative artist. Uh, she's a consultant doing great work helping brands and retailers uh, cater more to the disabled community, which is a huge market. Um, she's an adventurer. She's planning a motorbike ride around the world at some point in the future. Uh, look, Sophie, so great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's good to good to finally talk. For those listening, uh, Sophie and I have been trying to connect for for a wee while now, and um, yeah, probably so it's just just got over a cold, and um, uh, we had to, we had to just reschedule this. It's uh, Sunday morning here in New Zealand, uh, quite early, and uh, I guess it's Saturday night over there. It in is the UK. late Saturday night. Yep, yep. Beautiful over here. We're starting to see some summer. So, well, early signs of spring. So it's lovely. Really, really nice. Nice. So great to speak to you. Thank you for having me. Great. Hey, awesome. So, Sophie, for those listening who don't know about you, and I guess that's partly mm-hmm. the reason why they're listening, tell us a little bit about. Uh, your journey prior to joining this adaptive community who, who were you and, and what sort of things did you enjoy doing well I was just a kid really I mean I, I I basically had my injury when I was 18 years old so I was I mean I was just a standard kind of naughty bit of a wild child um <laughs> I was at school um I just finished my a level which a levels which are the um, final results, the, sorry, the exams that you take at the end of school. Um, so I was just leaving school and about to go to university when I had my injury. So before my injury, I was just a normal kid, just a standard normal kid. I grew up in the south of the UK, south of England in um, a city called Brighton. And then um, I went to school in Scotland and grew up mostly up there. My mum's Scottish. Um, and um, that's where I had my injury, actually. So in honesty, Mike, I, I was just a kind of normal kid. I was just a it's very sporty, very outdoorsy, quite naughty, quite fun, wild child. That was about who I was, really. But I hadn't really got much direction. I was sort of working it all out as you do at that age. Totally. So pretty, pretty crazy time to have yeah. a life changing accident like this. I mean, yeah. like you say, you're trying to figure out your place in the world at that time, and you really, you really. Some people know, but most of us didn't really know, and we're just going. You know, I guess yeah. we're just 
following uh, following a passion or two and um, like you say being a bit wild I was exactly the same so- <laughs> I think it's a theme with people with spinal injury that there's something about us maybe that you know it's just because I, I meet so many people who have a spinal injury that have had that obviously come through either an extreme sport perhaps but also they just got that kind of like wild outlook on life I know that's not the same for everybody but I have definitely seen it as a bit of a theme <laughs> so yeah I mean I was definitely I fit that bill and and um I remember actually one teacher remarking after my injury in a kind way, it sounds a bit hard, but in a kind way, she's like, I'm not surprised that that girl's ended up in a wheelchair because I just had that, that streak, you know, that kind of recklessness. (laughs) Pushing, pushing the boundaries. And and I guess that's why, uh, that's why you're an adaptifier, right? You've, you've gone on to. Yeah. um, It doesn't stop there. Exactly. Totally. So, okay. So what, what happened? What was the car accident all about? So I was, as I said, just taking my, I'd just taken my final exams from school and they, the results come out in the summer and the results obviously then dictate whether you're able to get into university of your choice or what you're going to do next. So it's quite a big day when the results come. And it was actually that evening that I was driving home from the party where we were celebrating, getting our results and everything. And I was sober and seatbelted and I was driving home and I just lost control of my car. So I, I mean, I was in your typical kind of young driver scenario. There was, you know, my car was full of my friends and the music was blaring and it was quite late at night. So Mm. it was quite dangerous and I hadn't really had my license for very long. And I just was very inexperienced, you know, looking back on it, it was a very, very dangerous environment to be in. And I guess I was lucky to have walked away. Thankfully, none of my friends, sorry, to have survived, I mean, but thankfully none of my friends were hurt. Um, But I, I broke my spine at T4, so a T4 complete, which obviously not many people understand, but this community will understand well. That's what I broke in the injury. But also I did a lot of damage to my face and um, I had to have quite a lot of surgery um, in reconstruction because I, I, I really did quite a considerable amount of damage, um, not just to my spine, but yeah, to, to my face and to my head. Um, and I was in intensive care for about three months um, and then... Three then months. In rehabil- wow. Um, yeah, and then in rehabilitation, and then I, then I came out the other side. Um, so I know that seems incredibly kind of sort of uh, sort of condense it all to to that. Obviously, everyone, as, we, as we know, it, it's an extremely difficult time. But looking back on it now, I just yeah, I don't remember a lot of it. You know, just that kind of getting through the basics and then coming out the other side, trying to figure out how you're going to piece your life back together. Holy moly! I, I'm you know yeah. <laughs> you had terrific you know horrific injuries and yet your your friends were able to do they do they walk out of it or were they, were they injured yeah well? they were they all walked away they were all fine in fact i think they only just had a hangover i think that was literally the, <laughs> the extent of the damage <laughs> they were all fine which oh, is such man. a blessing and 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 i i don't know what it would have been like if 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 they had injured me or if I had injured them you know it's one of those things that actually I think in hindsight was one of the best and it was a saving grace because I could just then focus on the damage I'd done to myself try and take responsibility for what happened to me and in the crash I I didn't actually you know hit anybody or no one hit me I just lost control of my car Mm. so ultimately that was all my fault and I think that having that happen that way personally I took it I took it to be like right this is what I did to myself I've got to deal with it I this is the bed that I've made I've got to deal with it you know mm-hmm. so yeah no one was hurt um I mean emotionally obviously they were incredibly damaged and mentally it took a long time for us all to recover um and I think to this day 
a couple of them are very very reluctant passengers still because of the trauma of the accident and there was quite a severe crash but no one was hurt which is the main thing especially um, with you driving with hand controls i guess <laughs> <laughs> oh well no, of course i wasn't driving with hand controls then no, then no. i was driving yeah, yeah i was driving like a normal person well she says a bad young kid, a, a bad driver. But, you know, you know, actually going on to that subject, the hand controls, I very, 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 very quickly got back into a car because I realised that actually it was going to be important for me to re- to keep my independence. I had to be able to drive because I don't know about you over in New Zealand, but over here the, the public transport and the setup is the infrastructure around here for wheelchair users is, is, isn't great. Um, and I knew that that was going to be a part of it. And there's another subject we can go on to another point. But, yeah, driving has always been... Uh, even though the cause of the damage, it's also been this massive liberation and a really important part of my life. Yeah, totally. Hey, so yeah. you're, you're a you know you're a positive go getter. You've you've got optimism running, pulsing through your veins. I can tell. <laughs> um, you know, but for for those out there that that don't have that, you know, and and even with yeah. that, and, and I was the same. Even with that, I had some I had yeah. some really hard moments. Really low time. Yeah, and still to this day do and I've I've always wanted to, to clarify this there's something that I personally feel about what happens with spinal injury is that yes okay to begin with it feels incredibly daunting and I my coping mechanism was to try very very hard to focus on what I could still do mm. not what I couldn't do and it sounds very straightforward but I, I I thought right if I can drive if I can still stay with my friends oh I did little things actually I, I was very fixated on keeping my independence and being able to do the things that I used to do with my friends so for example if I knew that I wanted to go and stay with my friends at their house I knew that they weren't going to have an adapted shower with a roll-in shower chair and a Mm. you know special adapted handrails on the (laughs) on the loo and all this stuff so I was like right and I said to my physios and my OTs at the time in the hospital like look can you just teach me please how to you know, get into a bath or how to get on and off a normal loo or to how to get on and off the floor. Can you teach me? I tried, I think my coping mechanisms then was to find the tricks that I needed to be able to actually live a life without adaptions as much as possible. So that's how I adapted, if that makes sense. And I've gone on now to, I think the way that I I forgive, I, I guess the way that I live now is I do allow myself to be upset when I get upset and I just otherwise crack on. And I think it's a fluctuating thing that it's not like you deal with it, you get over it and off you go into the world Mm. and you're a fine. I think that actually still, I don't know about you, but you know, I'll get knocked down by a pressure sore or I'll have um, something go wrong that is typical of a spinal injury and actually still to this day get upset, as as upset as I did at the beginning. But they just happen a lot less and I could deal with them a lot better. And it just goes on and on like that. And I, so I, I think the coping mechanisms that I learned then, I still use now. Um, and I know what I need to do to be able to look after myself, I think. But there's yeah. no, yeah, that, that's how I manage, I guess, is to, to just constantly think, right, what is it that I need to be able to do to be able to do this? And even if it was a case of saying to my mates, look, guys, I really want to do this. Can you carry me? Can you hoit me over your shoulder and throw me in? <laughs> you know what I mean? I was really like that. I was just a bit like, right, I'm going to find, find, find a way quite quite forceful. You made two very good points there. Uh, the first, and, and I had a similar experience with a peer support uh, coordinator who basically said to me, hey, I, I don't have a lot of all the specialist equipment. And in fact, yeah. I make a point of trying to, you know, kit my house out as normal as possible. Yeah. So that, you know, because yeah. the ideal situation isn't always there. Otherwise. That's right. That's right. And I've 
I and I think it was one of possibly the best things that I decided to do. And I, because it's you're right, it's not always there. And the more we rely on equipment and gadgets to to give us our independence, the more we become dependent on those things. And actually, I found the more I've travelled the world and done crazy different things, the the more I'm able to actually adapt to that environment, the, the better. You know, and it sounds quite. Um, a straightforward common sense thing to do it's not that easy obviously as you all know you know I remember learning trying to get in and out of the bath when I first had my injury it was like climbing a mountain but you know now <laughs> I could get go go anywhere and most people's houses in the UK have a bath you know which means I don't have to worry about having a shower that's adapted and all that kind of stuff and little things like that that have just made it or I learned you know quickly how to tell my friends how to wheelie me or how to stuff just the stuff that I knew I'd come up against, I had to find a way around it. Like you say, because the world is not adapted for us. Mm. I've got a I've got a cool trick that uh, that I probably should actually should put on YouTube. You know, oh yeah, quite quite often, and this this I'm sure other people do the same thing. But what I what I found is that you know there's often a separate toilet where the toilet is from the actual bathroom, and yeah. So and that here in New Zealand, some of the older houses. That the doorway is super narrow, and so basically yeah. you can't wheel your whole wheelchair into the toilet. So you you sort of nose it into the door as close as you can get, and then if you need to get, you know, basically then I, I transfer onto a chair or something, and then I transfer on the chair and I shuffle the chair along the floor, and then from the <laughs> chair onto the toilet. And then here's the thing though, I can't reach the door, um, or my wheelchair is there, so I can't sort of close the door. So what I do is I untie a shoelace from my shoe, I tie it onto my wheelchair. I, I sort of push the wheelchair out of the out of the um, the way, close the door, and and so the the shoelace is underneath the door, and and I've got a, a grip of it. I do my thing on the toilet, and then I, I manage to like either get back on the chair, open the door, and then I can pull my wheelchair back in with the shoelace. So there's like <laughs> all these little things like that to to you know. Otherwise, you know, someone's going to walk down the hallway and see me sitting there on the on the throne, <laughs> and. Um, but you know, like it, it, it wasn't accessible. It's not a wet room. It's not big, yeah. and but yeah. you know, it, it's not going to stop it, me. It's it's hard, isn't it? And that's the thing is that I I agree with you. you. You've got to not let these things stop you because otherwise, you know, to be able to say I can't go somewhere just because the bathroom's not right mm. is a reality of so many of us. And I I feel that that is just tragic. And I and slowly, of course, the world. I mean, I was injured sixteen years ago now, and the world is massively improving and actually sometimes I find myself like kind of going wow I don't need to you know there's handles here and grab handles and there's a special widened door and all this sort of stuff you know Mm. and sometimes actually my needs are met but more often than not I think if you if if you're newly injured or if you're dealing with your disability and you surround yourself by the comforts that you really need it actually entraps you and I I think that's one of our biggest sad it's the bit it's the saddest thing I see when I you know, see people, or people ask me, how did you do that? I'm like, well, you can do that too. You just don't, don't do what they say in the hospitals. Don't live with, a, with all, the, all this equipment around you because you'll get stuck and that's, that'll be your biggest, you know, it's, 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 tra- it's hard. So you should definitely put that on YouTube. I think the more tips we can share, the better. <laughs> there's a, there's a guy out of uh, Norway, Denmark or Sweden. I don't know. One of the, one of those Scandinavian countries, uh, Loop Whoop. Um, is his handle on Instagram, and he he does a yeah. bunch of these things. You know, gets into saunas and these tiny little doors, shuffles up uh, stairs. He's a paraplegic as well. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's cool. So I, I will share that. And I, I, it's interesting because people get angry about accessibility. They 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 get yes. really fired up by it. And look, I'm all for 
you know, making things accessible. But, you know, I, I don't turn that into anger if it's not. I kind of, I, I channel that um, anger into, I, I just see it as creativity. a, a creativity yeah. challenge, yeah. almost like defiance, right? So hence adapt, defy. It's like I'm not going to be boxed in this cage because, it, this thing is in a certain way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna adapt and find a way to do it, right? And um, I totally agree with you, Mike. And but the, the the sad, so I, I kind of, so I kind of learned a good, I guess, the hard way or the good way about accessibility. In that I went to West Africa to make a documentary for the BBC about disability, about, and it was called the world's worst place to be disabled? Question mark. And we were looking at, you know, breaches in human rights and mm. what was going on for people over there, and actually. You take a step out of sight, outside your front door and you start to see things like that. I mean, I was seeing disabled people chained to trees, people being sacrificed, people oh, being wow. preyed upon. I mean, I, someone tried to pray upon me to heal me and put me into a camp. And I mean, the, the, the struggle is, as they say, real. And when you see stuff like that and then you come back to the UK or I'm sure similar in New Zealand to a certain extent, we are very, very lucky Um in lots of ways. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect. And actually, a lot of the work I do, whilst not trying to be militant, like you say, is actually trying to fight the system. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working here with some lawyers. I'm taking some of the big retailers to, to sort of to hold them to account over some of the lack of access, mm. just because we have laws that protect us, but people very rarely enforce them. And it leaves us behind. It means that we're not able to go out and get work. We're not able to be able to, you know, really contribute to society. So, Accessibility is a huge question mark. And I, as much as I'm with you on that, I think we've got to, you know, turn these things into creativity. And a lot of my work is around that, is making solutions, not problems. Mm. It is also something that if we don't say something, things won't get changed. So it's, it's a fine line. It's a very fine line. But you don't want to spend your life fighting, right? You want to, I, like you, defy and adapt and create. And for me, it's always been about create, create, create. So if I see a problem, I'm like, right, what can we do <laughs> yeah, to totally. fix this? Yeah. I, think, I think it's great. I, I, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the more, you know, interestingly, we we held a, a wheelchair challenge day and we put some executives, you know, from some of the big banks in wheelchairs. This is with oh, my well work done. with the Spinal Trust. Amazing. And yeah. it's just awareness in, in a lot of cases. Yeah. They were, oh, wow, I couldn't believe. And so they had to stay in their wheelchair for the day, go to the toilet, do everything. And then the feedback we got at the end of it was, you know, phenomenal. And they just, the the penny dropped and they're like, wow, okay, I get it now. These doors are way too heavy. You know, I I couldn't get through this Mm. doorway. And, you know, and the more we can improve that, that, you know, the the better it is. I mean, it's a challenge as it is as a wheelchair and for other people with with disabilities, you know. And so that, you know, the more we can do in that space, uh, the better. But I guess my point was if it's not that way, I'm not going to let it uh, ruin ruin my life, right? you know, no, stop me no. doing things. So that's exactly right. And there's ways around that. And it's about attitude. It's about, but it's also about access. There's lots of, I guess, nuances to it. And for some people who have an injury, you know, it's the last thing that they want to do. Actually, they just want to have the easy, easy way and just get on with their lives and be happy. But for some, it's about actually making change and, and trying to do something about it. It depends on how much energy you've got sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you. Sometimes I go out the door and I, you know, something will happen. Like, I don't know, someone will be rude or there'll be some sort of 
difficulty getting in somewhere like a pub or a restaurant and sometimes I will decide to take that person to town you know I'll be really like right other times I'm like oh do you know what I don't care I'm going home <laughs> it just depends it can really depend on, on on so many things but I think by and large more and more the world is adapting and I think it's important for people so I, I work in television over here and as a result that comes I think with a bit of responsibility that I have a profile and mm. I'm very there's very few disabled people in our position in the UK in that position sorry as, as a television presenter that is with a spinal injury so I do kind of take it as a bit of a you know I should say stuff because if people like me don't say stuff you know yeah. who who will and it's so it I do find myself more and more kind of speaking on behalf which is a privilege um a massive privilege but often you know it's not always what you want to do but it has kind of has to be done that well, makes sense. You know, thanks so much for doing that. We're, we're very lucky to have have you in, in that position and with the attitude you have because, like you say, things aren't going to change unless, um, unless you know, people like yourself make that uh, make that change or um, attempt. And you, and you. It's a, coll- it's a collaborative effort, isn't it? <laughs> we are power in numbers, power in numbers. <laughs> so the other point you touched on early on was allowing yourself to to, to grieve and, and to, sh- to show your emotions. I did the same. I, I started a blog two weeks in and I like to write and it, it's cathartic for me. It helps me uh, understand my own feelings and, and I guess just release that, that, that energy that comes from emotion. And Absolutely. I do the same with drawing. Exactly. Yeah, so tell us about tell us about drawing. What uh, you know, you said before this interview that you were covered in paint, and uh, you know, you're, yeah, you're yeah. What, Glad what? you can't see me now. I am covered in paint. <laughs> I I, ba- I basically um, I was always an art a lover of art, loved st- art student at school. You know, as a kid, and and after my injury, um, I was sort of going down the route of becoming of all things a lawyer, and I had kind of I guess been pushed that way a little bit by my parents. Um, just because, you know, that's what parents kind of prefer, artist or lawyer, do you know what I mean? They would obviously want you to be a lawyer, I guess. But anyway, I had my injury and I very quickly changed tack and realised that if something I love, I need to pursue it. So I dropped the lawyer thing and ever since then, I, well, I went straight into art school and I have just always, always made art. And I didn't realise for quite a while after my injury how much a play, part it, the making of art played in helping me heal and helping me deal with all the trauma of everything and I I didn't realize the sort of the catharsis of it you know and Mm. I do now very much and so I I used to draw I mean I still do the same technique of drawing I have this drawing style called blind drawing where I just close my eyes and all the images that were sort of haunting me from from before my injury of me running or jumping or dancing or whatever, I would close my eyes and I'd just draw these little line drawings and get them out of my head. You know, it's a very, literally a catharsis like that. So I, I started using that as a technique and I still do it to this day. Um, and I sell the drawings and I, I also do commissions and I, I kind of keep it as a side project and I absolutely love it. It really helps me when I kind of, because like I said before, I think, I think the spinal injury, because it is something that doesn't go away. It is a temp is a permanent thing. Well, definitely in my situation anyway, it doesn't change. It's not going anywhere. And as a result, I've got to find ways to deal with it. Even to this day, 16 years later, when it confronts me and actually I find it difficult. And so I've learned now that, you know, using art as a form or work or my using my um, sort of entrepreneurial part of my brain <laughs> these are all methods to deal with um to deal with it all and it just yeah it's ongoing so just like you with writing it's just something that you as an outlet right from what i see you you've got so many things going on do you think 
that's a coping mechanism. Do you think that yeah, keeping yourself yeah. really busy and, and, and you know, I've yeah. got, I'm juggling so many different things at the moment. I often wonder whether or not that's going to come and bite me later, whether or not that's actually good for me to be so absorbed in all these things. Is it, what, what are your thoughts on that? I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I've come to realize now that it is part of the sort of, my mum used to say, God, for a paralyzed person, you never sit still. And I just love that. I thought it was so, you know, as in like the expression just sitting still. <laughs> That's great. And I was like, the, the irony of it. But I, I laughed and I, we laughed and it's true. I, I think you're right. There is a much of a kind of right, go, go, go. But also I have been working very hard, for, I guess, and for the last five or six years on various projects that are now coming to light and are so exciting and so unique and amazing that I can't stop now you know and actually as whereas I once I start I think I started um my work career so you know fresh out of school freshly injured blank canvas ahead of me what am I going to do with my life I took every single opportunity and now as a result I'm (laughs) I guess reaping the rewards and also suffering the consequences Uh, there's so many different things um but I couldn't stop now you know it's it's now it's like I've cultivated over the years so many different projects and now they're all coming into fruition and it's so exciting so yes I think you're right it will come back to haunt us at one point I'm, I'm sure I'll go I've had enough, but right now I'm just like, right, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I mean, you you were young, so you were still forming your identity, uh, you know, outside yeah. of your your childhood years. For me, yeah. I was 35 and I, I had a pretty entrenched identity that is still there, but uh, but now it's, I guess, I guess it's changed. You know, I was the surfer, mountain biker, mountain climber, uh, um, yeah. you know, oceanic yeah. sailor, you know, so all of these yeah. really, um, and that was, that was my identity. And mm-hmm. with my injury, that identity took a major hit. And, wow. and so I guess that's the physical side of an injury like this is one thing, but it's your, it's, it's actually yeah. your persona. And it was almost like I lost, I lost a whole lot of friends or I'm no, no longer close with a whole lot of my my friends that I used to do all these things with. And, um, you know, so that was, that was really, it was really, really tricky. And to be able to refocus and, and it took me a number of years to f- refocus and, and Adaptify as one of those products um, from that, from Amazing. that shift. But w- once you find that, oh, it's, it's such a good feeling. It's like, okay, oh, I found myself again. I found a new place for myself in the world. And, um, well, you know, I, I, I guess, I, I mean, I can completely appreciate that. I think I just don't know if I can I, I identify because for me, in a way, I almost, like I said, had this blank canvas. I had mm. this sort of, I don't know who I am yet. I'm just working things out. I mean, I knew roughly who I was as a kid. I, I, was, I wasn't a child. I was 18. Mm. So I kind of had, you know, the, the formation of my character. But I was also, I guess it's a blessing maybe. I, I don't know. I looked at it on the, as in the sense that I... I could go and be whoever I wanted to be. I didn't, I didn't have that identity. I mean, I felt at the time like I had my identity mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, I know who I am and who I want to be, but I really didn't. And actually I could then go and create any career I wanted. I didn't have huge things that I lost. Like you're talking about, you know, some of the activities and the hobbies that really defined you. But on the flip side of that, you know, I think I found recently myself feeling that my disability has defined part of, you know, who I am because Mm. it it, it shaped my career and shaped me as an adult. And um, 
so yeah, it's a, it's, it's definitely a fascinating cause, question, uh, sorry, subject when we have our injuries, how that affects us. You know, I didn't have um, a partner. I didn't have any children. I didn't have any responsibilities. I didn't have a job. Mm. So there's those are benefits. But also I hadn't lived a huge life and there's lots of things I hadn't done. And so it's a very interesting pros and cons for sure. But if I'm honest with you, Mike, I decided to write in uh, be as positive about as I could about it and go right what is it that I want to be I want to be an artist I'm going to go for it you know that obviously is just mm, cool the way it went yeah so yeah but no I mean it's never easy never easy is it <laughs> definitely not so uh, okay so from art to did you, you finish TV. your yeah, art to of, TV all, yeah that, yeah what 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 is what's the story behind that how did that happen yeah I have to say it's a bit of a crazy crazy really I mean I I basically after my injury like I say I went sort of headstrong into art school and basically when I was there I got a phone call from my hospital where I had been in rehabilitation saying the BBC uh, been in touch they want they're looking for some and she said I had a quote crazy disabled people and I thought of you (laughs) (laughs) and I was like what is this so basically they were they were looking for um young uh actually I take that back they're looking for disabled people in general um to go on this amazing adventure across the across Nicaragua in Central America. So it'd be 11 disabled people, all with varying disabilities, some sensory, some physical, um, all going across this, um, across the across the whole country together as a group. And the program will be televised. And they wanted somebody who used a wheelchair. And I was like, yeah, count me in, um, which was the, in hindsight, the craziest thing I've ever done. And I would never do it again, but it was an amazing <laughs> experience. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I can't tell you, it was absolutely, absolutely mad. I mean, to have the whole thing televised and to be honest with you I that's when I really came face to face with just how disabled I was because I kind of gone back to my life um mm. as a disabled person I kind of gone back to into the world as it were and just sort of cracked on I mean it wasn't easy but I kind of you know made my way and I was quite proud of my independence I'd learned to drive I was going to art school I had my friends and then I was like I could do anything and then I go to the jungle I was like I can't do anything and it was a really naive um, kind of wake up call as to like, look outside of your environment, you are disabled. You need to learn that. So Mm. I struggled massively out there, but anyway, so that kind of was the first bit of TV I did. And after that, someone said, well, you're good on TV. You should, you know, do you have ever thought about presenting or anything like that? And it sort of planted a seed. And then I made a few documentaries for the BBC one about driving, because obviously of what happened to me, we looked at driving tests over in the UK and how it's the biggest killer of young people in the UK. Um, so we explored that as a subject, as a documentary. And then I did this documentary I referred to earlier about disabled people in Africa, West Africa. And after that, I then, my big kind of break, as it were, was I got to present the, I got selected to present the Paralympics in Rio for um, one of the main broadcasters over here called Channel 4. And um, that was the beginning of my TV career. So now I I make, I obviously do the broadcasting for the sport, the Paralympic sport, which is fab, really, really fun. Mm. Um, but I also do, I make documentaries. Um, I make uh, I've got two series that I make current as sort of consumer affairs issues. I travel around making documentaries for Channel 4 News. I have a really amazing um, job, <laughs> which I love. Like, I can't tell you. It's just the best. It's brilliant. It's it's the most amazing, um, amazing job. And, um, yes, yeah, so I'll be going to Tokyo next year uh, to do the, to present the games. And, yeah, so, yeah, TV kind of just sort of landed on my lap and I have just run with it as best as I can. Wow. 
crazy. Yeah, it's cool. What it's a, cool. What a ride. It's mad. But you know, the thing is, it's the the thing <clears throat> about it is, is that disabled people have been given the opportunity here in the UK because we we started broadcasting the Paralympics and the general public over here absolutely loved it. And it went down a storm and it's changed, you know, it's changed the game. I, I mean, like it's changed, literally changed mm. people's lives over here because we we get mainstream coverage. We've now got loads of presenters who've got disabilities. It's really normalized disability in such an amazing way. And, um, and so I'm riding that wave. I'm very, very lucky. But I've realized actually having traveled around the world that it's quite rare. It's quite rare to see people with disabilities in this position. Um, so it's mm. a real... Yeah, it's awesome. It's an amazing, amazing role, but it's not it's not easy. And we are shaping and constantly shaping the way in which we are represented on television and in the media. And it's 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 an ongoing conversation. It's not right yet, but it's definitely getting there. So it's yeah, it's really fun. So yeah, so good to be part of that trend, as you say, and that uh, that movement. uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we we talked briefly about it before we went uh, went live about Yes We Can, the, the <laughs> yeah. promo film for the uh, Paralympic Games. Fascinating can you, that. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, about that and, and maybe you've got some insights? Absolutely. It was really interesting, Mike. So basically the first time that the broadcasters decided to give Paralympic sport mainstream coverage was in 2012 um, at the London Games. And it was, like I said, just absolutely groundbreaking and amazing and the general public just went wild and the coverage was awesome and the marketing at that time in the UK was very deliberate very specific uh, but quite divisive and actually quite controversial and what it was was pictures of Paralympians GB the Great British Paralympic team doing something awesome like I don't know uh, lifting weights or doing doing their Paralympic event doing their Mm. Paralympic sport in, in pictures all over the all over the UK with the words superhumans and they called us the, they called the team the superhumans mm-hmm. and it was or they were like it was brilliant i mean as a campaign it was amazing everyone was like wow this is so brilliant you know change the words from disabled to superhuman and blah 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 which was brilliant but after the games the general disabled community over here were just like, yeah, no, none of us are superhumans. We're just disabled people that can't get out the front door most of the time because the world's not accessible. You know what I mean? So there there was this massive disconnect, right? Huge disconnect. And what we found is that the general public, the able-bodied public watched that and went, wow, disabled people can do anything. But actually all they thought was disabled people can do sport. They didn't think about the rest of our lives, the way that we can't even get to work very easily because the trains aren't accessible or we can't, you know what I mean? Mm. So it was this real, like, actually the legacy of the games actually missed the target, as it were. So what happened after that was the the marketing team and the, the geniuses behind the superhuman campaign got their heads together and decided to think about how to do this correctly and in the 2016 games, the advert came out with Yes, I Can, which was the perfect, perfect mm. example of tapping into the consensus, the feeling of disabled people around the, the Paralympic legacy. So the Paralympic Games are a movement that have influenced and affected disabled lives out, outside, but also they also they also sit separate. I mean, I don't know about you, you you might, but I, I mean, I'm not a Paralympian and I don't intend to be. And I, I like playing sport, but that's not my vibe. That's not my dream. Mm. And actually, you know, there's it, it's a just a little bit of a misconception that we all are Paralympians if we're young and fit and disabled. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I it, it, when Yes I Can came out and they started showcasing this brilliant 
you know, examples of amazing disabled people are all around the world doing awesome day-to-day things. It really was one of the most amazing campaigns. I remember when they launched it at the channel, I, all of us just speechless, like goosebumps, cr- like crying, you know, mm. like, this is amazing. And it really, really was. And so actually, as we speak, we are now planning what's next for the next games and what we're going to do next and how we're going to get, get it right this time. Because every year, you know, this four years on, what's happening now? And we're definitely not in the great place here in the UK in terms of some of the situation that people with disabilities are dealing with. So yeah, it's a political conversation actually. It goes it goes much bigger than just the sport. And that's why the television, the broadcast is such a huge part of that. It's 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 mass it's a fascinating um part of the puzzle when it comes to redefining what disability means, you know, how 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 we're broadcast. So yeah, it's it's really interesting. So we'll see. Watch this space. You set the bar pretty high with that uh, <laughs> yes we can video. I I um I led the the production of a <clears throat> of an explainer video for the New Zealand Spinal Trust and that was a, a an example that I put forward, you know, when we we're sort of brainstorming ideas. And uh, uh, I guess the film guys and the, the artistic director said to me, man, you, you know, this this would have cost millions, Mike. <laughs> you know, you're, yeah. you're absolutely dreaming if you think we can create something in the same vein. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I had no, yep. idea, I had no idea yeah. it would have cost millions of pounds, I'm sure, to produce that. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's TV. They've, yeah, they, that's <laughs> their my <laughs> They can do that. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, but it was, yeah. uh, like you said, goosebumps. And, uh, I mean, I, once we're finished with this, I'm probably going to watch it again. I just I loved it. You know, it was just so, so good. Um, oh, that's sorry. so cool. But, you know, actually, I'll send you some links to some parody videos of that that came out not long after the games of disabled <laughs> people at home who were just like, yes, I can, but I can't even get into the shops. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's, it, people really do take it. The, the day-to-day life of living with a physical disability in particular, um, when you come up again, when you see these programs and it's all about, yeah, empowerment, we can do anything. Actually, some people really find that really hard because actually – yeah. Life makes it, you know, as you know, and that's why we're talking today, you and I, because we have actually, we are those people that go, yes, I can. But mm. s- some people really aren't. And, and, and that's okay. But it's, it's sort of almost implied in that advert that if you have a disability, yes, I can. <laughs> and, and I suppose what you don't see in that video is, and, and probably in our case, you know, I'm incredibly well supported by an insurance system here. You know, I, I, I don't have any real financial concerns uh, I've got good family and friends and and plenty of people that I can call on if I if I need something and so there are there are some real gaps out there eh? like I mean yeah you'd be the same you, you'd be you'd be well taken care of with um, you know and the health systems can be better but you know you're you're not in some of those third world countries that you've visited yep. and yep. you know and exactly. so when you do go out there and say yeah we can it, it actually takes a heck of a lot of resource in order to yeah. be able to do those things. And so, yeah. And it's know. easy to look at people like you and look at people like me and go, oh, well, you know, but it, it does. It takes, we, we, we've got a support network around us that maybe we don't even realize sometimes. And, and actually, <clears throat> yeah, can't be underestimated. Absolutely. But, you know, we're also, we're also proactive, right? So if, yeah. if something's not right, we, you know, we're going to go and see what we can yeah. do about Make that. Make it right. Make yeah. it right. Um, we, yeah. we don't have a victim mentality. And I suppose that's, that's something that um, uh, that yep. serves us serves us incredibly well, and yeah, um, it takes you very takes you far. 
yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's the the main thing, really, because once you kind of got that perspective, I think you can then see the hope and the opportunity everywhere. And 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 actually, even if it does feel like it doesn't, it can it'll never feel that hopeless. You know, it will never feel even when it feels a little bit crazy and a little bit like, oh my god, I really don't know what to do. You just don't. You know that there's 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 a solution there somewhere. That's yeah. A, that's a, yeah. So, are there any uh, you know life hacks, if you like, or, or wheelchair hacks that you've um, developed or or could share um, in your in your day to day? Gosh, I do. As I've probably so so second nature, I kind of don't know if I can even think of any. How, how do you get into the bath? You're quite a high level. Um, you know, spinal yes, I am injury. a high level. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't have any core strength or balance, so I'm not that good at that. But I have actually recently. Um, I don't know if anyone would be interested in this, but I have actually recently been trying to figure out a way of, you know, so I've started, I found an adaptive Pilates teacher. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have that over in New Zealand, but I've never found one in the UK till recently. And that's really helping with my balance. It's amazing. It's incredibly subtle because mm. obviously I don't have any balance. But yeah, anyway, so that's <laughs> been a really, that's been a bit of a game changer. But um, I, so the bath thing, how do I do that? I just go up to the bath, pick up both legs. So put one leg in, then put the other leg in and then I kind of lean right over and with my um, in, inner arm, grab the other side of the bath and pull myself up. And once I'm sitting on the, ri- the lip of the bath, mm. I always fill the bath up first, by the way. And then I just, then I can just sort of slide into the bath and then to get out, I always keep the water in obviously, cause then I can float up. I keep the bath very full <laughs> and then I um, can float up. And then basically what I do is just obviously put both hands on, on each side of the bath, one, one on the left-hand side of the bath, one on the right-hand side of the bath, and then just lift forward by tilting my head forward, which literally then obviously tilts my bum back. And then I twist myself so that my bum almost slides almost onto the side of the bath. Does that make sense? It's quite a hard thing to describe. I've never done this before, describing how I do it. But I, yeah, lift, lift, and then my bum, I sort of reverse my bum onto the lip of the bath and then reverse directly back out onto the chair <laughs> yeah i can i can picture so, that <laughs> does that make sense does that make sense it's yeah. uh, I, fans who've seen it say it's very graceful i don't think it is <laughs> it's a bit of a like slip and slide and like i but i hold on for dear life to the rims of the bath because obviously you're wet and so you can very easily slip but it's really super easy i find it easier than getting in and out of a shower chair i'm so used to doing it now Cool, cool. Well, yeah. Um, um, I'm trying to think of any other tips. Oh, I'm, I'm going to think of some when I get off, and then I'll text you some. But I, I kind of can't think of any off the top of my head. <laughs> no, that, that's fine. That's all good. So, what's some of the other work you do? You, you say, you, yeah, yeah, well, and, and like what? So, you're, you're a presenter. What sort of hours are you are you working? What's the what's a typical day if you're you're doing a shoot? What does that look like? It, it really varies. Um, it, it depends because I go into production and then I'm out. So at the moment I'm not filming anything, so I don't have a day-to-day filming schedule. But I just wrapped a seven-week filming schedule, for example. So what that looks like is travelling all over the UK um, to film usually a full day sort of starts at eight and finishes at maybe seven or something choose your full day um and just zooming around all over the bloody place just literally interviewing and filming and doing what they call pieces to camera which are just sort of scripted 
scripted links into the camera or interviews with people or just going different places and filming what we're doing um it's quite hard to sort of there's so many different things like it's really fun and then it's a it's a lot of traveling so I, I don't always I live in London so I don't, but I don't always film in London we go up to Scotland we go all over different cities and we film all over the place so there's a lot of traveling um and the days are really long which can take its toll and can be quite difficult but um I've got into the rhythm of it now and Sometimes I'll be in, like, for example, when I was in Rio, I was out in Rio for 10 days. Um, but I, yeah, I'm in a studio every day. So that's a bit different when you're in one place every single day. Because that's, I mean, to be honest with you, like, oh, sometimes on location when we're filming and there's no disabled toilets and there's no disabled access, it's not fun. You know, it's really, it's really gets a bit annoying sometimes. And I have to rely on the crew to help me which is obviously not always what you want when you're trying to, like, be professional and, you know. <laughs> yeah, eat, eat <laughs> a bottle out for me, please. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I don't want to be doing that. So there's that a lot of that. But I I sometimes take a support worker with me um, who's just a mate who actually works as a carer in his day job. And sometimes when he's not working and I need someone, he comes with me. So recently, for example, I was filming a documentary in Australia, actually in the Northern Territories of Australia. And it was really inaccessible. I was there for a month um, and he just came with me to help me. Um, I, I get government funding to help. There's a government fund here that supports that. Mm. Um, Wow. which is really liberating really amazing yeah so he that paid for him to come with me and help me and yeah so that's kind of tv work but then i also work as a consultant so i'm working with retailers and brands to make them think about how they could be more inclusive more representative so working with retailers in the states some of that's a bit top secret can't really talk about that just yet but hopefully we'll be able to in the next probably in the next six months mm -hmm. um about some of the work i'm doing there um and also doing some of the same things over here just working with fashion retailers as well to to try and get them to rethink how they communicate with disabled people as well as brands to think about how they kind of the user user experience for disabled people because often i find that i'm sure you've done the same that you'll turn up somewhere and they'll say it's accessible you get there and it's absolutely not accessible and mm. they haven't really tested any of these things you know what i mean they're like oh no someone told us it was accessible we, we've got some architect he says it's, you know like, actually mm. this is not right so i do a lot of kind of consulting with brands and then i also have a company that well i do my lot my drawing or my i sell those i do commissions and line drawings so i do that work as well um and i work as a regulator here uh, for the government looking at sort of stuff on television what's allowed and what's not there's uh, that law degree coming into into yeah yeah a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah and also currently learning to get my bike license which is really not very straightforward if you have a spiral injury if you had yeah. your bike license before mm. it's really easy obviously you just can you can adapt a bike and off you go but if you haven't got your license before you had an injury over here, it's really hard. So I'm trying to get my bike license because I want to go mo like, like get on. I want a motorbike. Um, so I'm doing yeah, loads of different <laughs> loads of different things all the time. I, I see that uh, you you know with the motorbike thing, it's on your website. You're planning a around the world challenge yep. on a motorbike. Yep. Like, I am. Uh, I am. Yeah. I am. I, Sign honestly, me up. Minute, I'm, I'm coming with you. <laughs> honestly, mate. The, the minute I, I'm just waiting on a few things, and the minute I get the green light, because we might televise it, and if it gets televised, I am gonna go guns blazing on that one. I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, I'll keep you posted for sure. And definitely come join. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. I have a friend who I used to mountaineer with. Her name's Pat Devol, and she's just about to set off. Um, across i guess eastern europe um western europe eastern europe and then right across asia right across russia 
um, on awesome. a on a motorbike. Yeah, she's on a bike. Awesome. On a bike. Yeah, solo bike by herself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So Amazing. I, That's what I'm doing. Trying to do. I want to do it solo as best as possible, mm. which obviously is a little bit crazy because you know, <laughs> as you know, it's be a little bit crazy. But I, I'm going to try where possible to do it solo. I mean, I'm going to take a support vehicle and have someone there roughly, but I want to try, try and have it as, as independent as possible. There's a great guy um, here. He's, he's one of the adaptifiers I've interviewed. His name's Jezza Williams and he uh, did the Mongol rally. So he's a C5 tetraplegic and um, right. yeah, he did the Mongol rally uh, and just, you know, had a, just a wild adventure, you know. Wow. So, wow. Uh, so if you, if you, Is that, uh, I've got to hear, got to hear that story. That sounds amazing. Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's, Paraglide, he's just got his paragliding license. He paraglides solo now, um, and he, wow. he, you know, he, oh man, it's it's Love phenomenal. That. Yeah, um, but yeah, if you, you ever need that? any, if you ever need any information about uh, from Pat or um, or Jezza, then um, you know, yeah, pre- preparation for your trip, then uh, shout Thank out. Thank you. I can ensure you they, they may have a few tips but, to share. Damn right, that'd be brilliant. I think um, the the more tips, the better. I. I I'm always looking for people who have a disability like ours that have done amazing things to be able to get inspiration and advice and tips and mm. stuff because, um, yeah, it's not going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Hey, you, you mentioned that you're doing some some of this brand work. Is there an awareness now that there's real value? Like obviously there's real commercial value. Is it commercially driven from these retailers as in they see oh, yeah. they see yeah. the, the you know, the disabled community is a big market or do they see it more as, you know, social responsibility, corporate responsibility, or, or is it a mixture of both? It's an absolute mixture of both. You're right. It's a very interesting area because some some people it's very much the former and some it's very much the latter. And I think it really depends on who you're working with at the time. And I found some, they're really tapping in. They really, We've got what we, we call the purple pound. I don't know if you have an equivalent over there, but we've quantified the value of um, the disabled demographic. So mm. it's estimated that there's a, something like 260 billion pound um, demographic, uh, sorry, spending power from mm. the disabled demographic that's not being tapped into. And once these figures come out, you know, once these figures came out, it definitely kind of caught the interest of a lot of businesses because as cynical as we can be and we're like, oh, they should do it to be to be good people. Ultimately, it's business. And if, they, if you're not going to make money, mm out of doing this then you know what's the point in doing it and i think actually slowly people the brands are starting to see there's money to be made it's early days and there's not a huge amount of research on it but i think slowly slowly people are starting to see the benefit and it's it's not just because they're doing the right thing i mean obviously a lot of people are driven to do the right thing because they're good people mm. but there are those who are now tapping in and it's it's a good question because i think actually it's something I come up against quite a lot. It's like, are, are they doing this because they're nice or are they doing this to make money? I'm like, well, actually, do you know what? I don't care as long as they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's okay to do it to make money. Um, like you yeah, say. Yeah, it's okay. It's um, okay. <laughs> I mean, essentially, they're, they're, they're serving a customer and if the customer's uh, disabled and they're, they're providing value for them, then that's that's fantastic, you know? Exactly, exactly. And if it, it makes them money, it's a win-win. And I whatever gets people to make their goods and services accessible in my mind i don't mind what it is of course i'd like it to just be like you said you when you had that awareness day and you see people in business realizing the small things and they gain awareness of what it's actually like to live with a disability those of course are the right ways in which you'd think someone might um 
take inspiration to go and make change. But more often than not, people just don't know. Mm. They don't know the challenges that we face. So actually, if you can start to say, look, by the way, you might not know how hard it is, but I'll tell you, if you do this, you might make some money. Then if that is the drive, if that's the trigger, the catalyst for change, then so be it. You know what I mean? It's it's okay. I think in my, I, I often go in when I pitch to people and I do position those figures quite foremost at the presentation, but there is this demographic and we do have money and much like the pink pound before us, which was the, the value assigned to the, 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 the gay demographic. Yeah. That's what we have. And if you want to tap into that, it's considered the largest untapped market in the world. And, and but on to that to that end, you know, there's people with, that would say that we're wow. the most unemployed market in the world. And mm. we as a workforce, if people were to enable us to work, you know, it would lift us out of poverty. It would lift it. It, it would affect GDPs of countries. There's so much benefit mm. in making disabled people part of the conversation. And if and and I don't mind if that's driven by money <laughs> at the end of the day, as long as we get a place at the table, you know. Oh, it's so fantastic, and we're incredibly lucky to have you um, working on all of all of this. And uh, you know, together, um, we're gonna we are changing we are changing the world, um, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Website uh, just launched in New Zealand called All Is For All. I'll send you a link and email. Um, and for those listening, it's a um, a global movement for an accessible fashion industry. So uh, consider it an, an Etsy, if you like, for um, for disabled fashion. And um, cool. it's great. It's really cool. We were well worth checking out. Um, and, Absolutely, there's a lot of people doing some really exciting things in this space, and I think it's a definitely a case of watch this space. I think there'll be some really exciting brands, and I mean, we've seen the likes of Tommy Hilfiger making an adaptive range using disabled models. Uh, Target. There's lots of retailers that are really waking up to it, and I think it will definitely drive change in some of the smaller brands. But it, yeah, it's re- it's exciting. I, th- I definitely think there's innovation going on there that will have a real impact, a tangible impact in, in day-to-day lives. Sophie, what's uh, what's in store in the future aside from motorcycles and... and, and <laughs> I mean, you've pretty much covered a whole range of things there. Is there anything else you'd like to, to mention about, um, you know, or, or a, a, parting, um, a parting word of advice for anybody listening? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, I, I think... Um... On personal note, I've got yeah my ambitions that they're, they're constantly changing and there's always new ones around the corner. I mean, I don't I, I don't want anyone listening who's actually newly injured or you know existing has an existing uh, spinal injury and just feels that this all seems a bit crazy. I do set the bar incredibly high, but the as a result the lows can be incredibly low as well. And it's you know I've spent time on bed rest. I spent three years on bed rest um, as a as a result of a pressure sore that went wrong and I have recurring skin problems and I get urine infections and I have suffer with the same incontinence problems and you know there's it, it can seem outwardly like everything's fine <laughs> and I'm just this crazy woman with these mad ambitions to go around the world on a motorbike and shit but the reality is I set those goals because I worry about the times when I'm not going to be able to do things so the the you know the reality of of this pressure sore that went wrong and everything when I was on bed rest for so long and that flares up every now and again it's right on my bum bum bone on my bum cheek and it's just a scar now but every now and again it gets it breaks down not through pressure usually through banging it or something um and then I have to go on bed rest again and I you know every honestly it's it's torture and every time that happens I go right when I'm back up and running what am I going to do 
and I that's what I do and that's why my 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 goals are a little bit extreme and I don't think that that's naturally actually that healthy and I wouldn't say that I should be an inspiration in that respect I think but it's there's a lot to I guess I'd like people to take from what I'm talking about is that you can still whatever your ambitions are you can do them <laughs> there's a way they don't have to be as mental as mine are um but they are, you know, they can, <laughs> there is a way. And I think with, with communities like you're setting up, Mike, uh, with it, sorry, that you've got, um, you know, with your, your amazing work that you're doing and with people like me out there, there's there's resources. Come and find us, talk to us, and we'll help find a way if, you know, if you don't think there is a way, there's definitely a way. I think that's that's kind of, in my roundabout mumbly way of saying it, <laughs> that's all I'm trying to say. That uh, that's so good. So, I mean, what I took from that um, before we before we finish up here is that you know you, you do you have you have serious lows as a, as a result of uh, you know spinal cord injury and and other disabilities will have the same. Yeah. But you balance that with with the highs, which are really high. So so you know <laughs> and, and, you know if and if you if you didn't, I, I suppose that's the thing. If you if you didn't aspire to something amazing and put your mind yeah. towards something that really um, sets your wheels on fire, a cliche, um, <laughs> then, then maybe you would just be in that slump more than more than not. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I like to think about setting the bar high as well and yeah. giving everything. Yeah. And in some ways it sort of balances it out. But um, but you have to be you have to be, I, absolutely. Real. You have to be real with yourself and, and – um, and it's so good. That and I think real with, with other people. I think you're right. It's real with other people because I, I know for sure. I mean, I, I don't, I, I, my po- po- profile, you know, you follow me on Instagram, you don't really see all the sides of the bad stuff that goes on because I don't really, I just kind of keep that private. But the reality is that there are down days and it's difficult. But yeah, like you say, for me, that's the drive. Um, and, 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 but for others, that can be the, this thing that stops them. So, and, and the avoidance. I mean, sometimes my mum says to me, she's like, why do you do these crazy things? Why do you do that? Why don't you just chill? And then you won't have the down days. You won't have the pressure sores that come back or the sickness or the problems. If just like wrap yourself in cotton wool and chill out. And then I'm like, but I would be probably pretty bored. So, yeah, <laughs> each to their own. <laughs> hey, so, Sophie, yeah. where can people learn more about you? Where can they, where can they uh, join in the conversation with you? Um, obviously my website is kind of a bit of a, that's a bit of a, uh, load of information, but I'm on Instagram. I'm on loosely on Twitter. I don't use it all that much. Um, those are probably the best places. Awesome. Well, but if anyone actually has a proper question and wants to get in touch, then my email, um, you can just email me through my website I'm, I'm, and I'll obviously, yeah, do what I can. Uh, awesome. Thanks so much. Well, I'll put cool. all those links in the, uh, in the article that we write and, uh, in the okay. description. Uh, Amazing. Sophie. Thanks so much, man. I, I get the sense that we could just keep talking for hours and yeah. uh, really look forward to meeting in person uh, one day, hopefully soon. I'll, I'll be sure. Yeah, absolutely. That would be brilliant. Yeah. If you come down to New Zealand uh, on, a, on an adventure, be sure to look me up and, uh, and I'll do my 100%. best. 100%. Um, and vice versa if you're in London, 100%. Fantastic. Hey, well, thanks so much. Amazing. Enjoy the rest of your evening. and um, Have a good day. Thanks. Will you let me know, obviously, you know, whatever when it goes out so i can um, absolutely share it and all that stuff brilliant amazing well thank you it's been a pleasure to chat and keep up the amazing work thanks so much yeah it's um it's a, it's a great a great pleasure cool cool speak soon thank you i hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's adaptifier 
to learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development, products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users, go to adaptdefy.com. That's A-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y.com. We're also on all the major social media platforms at Adaptify. Follow us there for more behind the scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.